With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to Inside the Badge. I'm Dr. Carlos. Hey, we're going to be talking about criminal law. We're going to be starting doing these periodical podcasts on criminal law and looking at complex sometimes it can be. If you want to support our podcast, please hit that share and like button. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we truly appreciate a review or any other platform for that matter. The void for vagueness. What does that mean? The void for vagueness is something that judges will look at. And they appreciate the difficulty of clearly drafting statutes and typically limit the application of the void for vagueness concept doctrine to cases in which the constitutionally protected rights and liberties of people to meet, greet, congregate in groups more about and express themselves are threatened. So we're going to look at some of the well, one of the case that deals with this void of vagueness, void for vagueness issue when it comes to the criminal law. And we're going to see how it works. You see, the 5th and 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution prohibit depriving individuals of life, liberty, and property without due process of law. Due process requires a criminal statute should be drafted in a clear and understandable fashion. A statute that fails to meet the standards unconstitutional on the grounds that it is void for vagueness. Due process requires that individuals receive notice of criminal conduct, so statutes are required to define criminal offenses with sufficient clarity so that ordinary individuals are able to understand what conduct is prohibited. Due process requires that the police and prosecutors, judges and jurors are provided with a reasonably clear statement of prohibited behavior. This all makes sense. The requirement of definite standards ensures the uniform and non-discriminatory enforcement of the law. So as we see this, Seems perfect sense. So what would be the big problem? Well, let's look at the state versus Stanko. S-T-A-N-K-O. Did the defendant know that he was driving at an excessive rate of speed? I know. On face value, you would say, of course he did. Let's read the story and find out. Kenneth Breidenbach, a member of the Montana Highway Patrol, at the time of trial and the time of the incident that formed the basis for Stanko's arrest was stationed in Jordan, Montana. On March 10, 1996, he was on duty patrolling Montana State Highway 24 and proceeding south from Fort Peck. When he observed another vehicle approaching him from behind, he stopped or slowed, made a right-hand turn, and proceeded west on Highway 200. About one-half mile from that intersection in the first passing zone, the vehicle that had been approaching him from behind passed him. He caught up to the vehicle and trailed the vehicle at a constant speed for a distance of about eight miles while observing what he referred to as a two or three second rule. He testified that he clocked the vehicle ahead of him at a steady 85 miles per hour during the time that he followed it. At that speed, the distance between the two vehicles was about 300 feet. 
Officer Brian Bach signaled him to pull over and issued him a ticket for violating Section 61-8-303 of the Montana Code. The basis for the ticket was the fact that Stanko had been operating his vehicle at a speed of 85 miles an hour per at a location where Officer Breidenbach concluded it was unsafe to do so. The officer testified that the road at the location was narrow, had no shoulders, and was broken up by an occasional frost heave. He also testified that the portion of the road over which he clocked Stanko included curves and hills that obscured vision. He acknowledged that at a distance of 300 feet behind Stanko, he had never lost sight of Stanko's vehicle, though. The roadway itself was actually bare and dry. There were no adverse weather conditions at the time, and the incident occurred during daylight. Officer Breidenbach did not inspect the brakes on Stanko's vehicle or make any observations regarding its weight. The only inspection he conducted was of the tires, which appeared to be brand new. He also observed that it was a 1996 Camaro, which was a sports car, and that it had a suspension system, suspension system designed so that the vehicle could be operated at high speeds. He also testified that while he and Stanko were on Highway 24, there were no other vehicles that he observed during that time. They approached no other vehicles going in their direction, and that he observed a couple of vehicles going in the opposite direction. Although Officer Breidenbach expressed the opinion that 85 miles per hour was unreasonable at that location, he gave no opinion about what would have been a reasonable speed, nor did he identify anything about Stanko's operation of his vehicle. Stanko testified that on that date he was arrested. He was driving a 1996 Camaro that he had just purchased a month or two earlier. He stated that the brakes, tires, and steering were all in perfect operating condition. The highway conditions were good, and he felt that he was operating his vehicle in a safe manner. He conceded that pa passing Officer Brian Bach's vehicle at 85 miles per hour, but testified that because he was aware of the officer's presence, he was extra careful about the manner in which he drove. Stanko testified that he was 50 years old at the time of the trial and drives, drives about an average of 50,000 miles a year, which is four times the normal person's driving. Here's the issue. Is Section 61-8-303 so vague that it violates the Due Process Clause found at Article 2, Section 17 of the Montana Constitution? Can you use void for vagueness here? Stanko contains that it is. It's unconstitutionally vague because it fails to give a motorist of ordinary intelligence fair notice of the speed at which he or she violates the law, and because it delegates an important public, public policy matter, such as the appropriate speed on Montana's highways. In Montana, we have established the following test for whether a statute is void on its face for vagueness. A statute is void on its face if it fails to give a person of ordinary intelligence Fair notice that his contemplated conduct is forbidden. No person should be required to speculate as to whether his contemplated course of action may be subject to criminal penalties. We conclude that as a speed limit, MCA does not meet these requirements of the Due Process Clause of Article 2, Section 17 of the Montana Constitution, nor does it further the values that the Void for Vagueness Doctrine is intended to protect. For example, while it was the opinion of Officer Breidenbach that 85 miles per hour was an unreasonable speed at the time and place, he offered no opinion regarding what a reasonable speed at the time and place would have been. So what was the conclusion to this case? The holding was, we do not, however, mean to imply that motorists who lose control of their vehicles or endanger the life or limb or property of others by their operation of the vehicles on a street highway cannot be punished for that conduct 
pursuant to other statutes. We simply hold that Montanans cannot be charged, prosecuted, and punished for speed alone without notifying them of the speed at which their conduct violates the law. This, in turn, reversed the judgment that was made by the previous district court that did charge Stanko. Here's one of the dissenting arguments if you want to hear it. The important, this important traffic regulation has remained unchanged as the law since 1955. Apparently, for the past 43 years, other citizens driving upon the highways had no problem in understanding the statutory provision. And the statutory 61-8-303 is not vague and particularly is not unconstitutional. So you can see here the complexity of understanding criminal law. By the way, as a side note, Stanko was arrested again for reckless driving a few months later in August, and then again in October for reckless driving. He was charged on both occasions with operating a vehicle with willful disregard for the safety of people and property. Two officers cited the fact that Stanko was driving over 120 miles per hour on hilly highways with the risk of encountering farm ranch. Stanko possessed extraordinary confidence in his driving ability and dismissed the suggestion that he was driving recklessly. He pointed out that he drove roughly 6,000 miles a month without an accident, and that he had won several stock car races. The Montana Supreme Court unanimously ruled that Stanko should have reasonably understood the manner in which he was driving posed a risk to others who did not assume the risk of driving in racetrack conditions. So there's your case of Stanko, of the state versus Stanko on the topic of void for vagueness. Hopefully you enjoyed this little criminal law lesson, and we appreciate you listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.